Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 95th week of the You Thought Sports podcast. We're inching towards 100, and we're giving you all the best storylines in sports. The normal crew's here. We're all back together. The gang is reassembled. Woo! Wyatt's here. Aiden's here. Bart's here. Jared's here. Jared's never left, but uh, he is true. back and better than ever, and we are ready <laughs> for another week. And, <laughs> well, and we'll start off with some news we missed, uh, the first of which is that apparently... Everybody in baseball has seen a no-hitter this year, except for me, despite it being my lifelong goal to see one in real life. The ninth no-hitter of the year, the most MLB history, happened this past week, with the Brewers throwing a combined no-hitter on Saturday. Do you want to see a combined no-hitter, though, Lucas? Yeah, that's kind of Uh, lame. (laughs) Yeah, it is lame, but it's it's better than nothing, I think. I guess it's impressive. Complete game shutout or combined no-hitter? So... You guys watch baseball. Are the pitchers getting better or are the hitters getting worse? Both. All right. Shoot. I think. All right. The hitters are obsessed with launch angle they, and they don't care about strikeouts anymore. So that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. There's a really good ESPN article for all our listeners out there uh, that mm-hmm. talks about like how long, how like not caring about strikeouts is ruining baseball that was released earlier this year. It's very interesting. So. Um. <clears throat> In other news, uh, in the U.S. Open, uh, 18-year-old Emma Randukanau, is that how you pronounce that? Radicanu. Radicanu. All right, well, we got there eventually. There was an attempt. I, I might have accidentally kept an N in there or something like that. Uh, she won the U.S. Open, youngest uh, major winner since Maria Sharapova, and defeated another teenager, Canadian Layla Fernandez, in straight sets at the U.S. Open. Pretty impressive um, to have... Two teenagers make the final of a major tournament. Um, yeah, and on so, the men's side of things. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, she didn't lose a single set in the whole in no, the whole tournament, not right? The whole thing. No. Nope. And she had to play through insane. like more than what normal people play through because she had to play through like qualifiers. She didn't automatically qualify for the tournament on its own. Dang. So she didn't lose That's a set insane. in the qualifiers, and then she did lose a set in her run to the final. So props. <laughs> And then yeah, Kawhi still awesome. complains to us about load exactly. management. Come on, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a future goat. We'll see. Well, she's probably going to remain human. Who no. <laughs> <laughs> truly knows? Um, and on the men's side of things, the, things have fallen apart for Novak Djokovic this year. To all of our, uh, all of our disappointment. Uh, he not only lost his quest for the Golden Grand Slam or the Golden Slam or whatever it was called, losing the Olympics, but he didn't even get the normal calendar Grand Slam, losing the uh, U.S. Open to Daniil Medvedev of Russia, who won his first major. So good for him, yeah. but not so fun for uh, our boy Novak. Yeah. <laughs> Novak, just I don't know if he was tired or if like the pressure got to him, but he just looked out of it. Dude was just like, he usually is like, you know, doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't screw up, mm-hmm. um, and he was just unforced errors all over the place. So it was a bit of a mess. I feel a little bit bad for Novak, even though I don't know. But we've we've talked in this podcast before about how <laughs> Novak bad. isn't the most sympathetic um, <laughs> figure, but um, but yeah, it seemed like it, the the pressure maybe got to him. He also missed yeah. out on the chance of setting the record for most major major careers. Mm. Major yeah, wins in a career, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it would have been huge. But uh I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you so have to f- wonder whether he just like lost some of the drive after the Olympics. Like I know he made it yeah. to the finals, but like 
I don't know. Like like you were saying, Aiden, like maybe he just wasn't his heart wasn't quite in it at that point. Yeah, because even on his way to the finals, he like you know he dropped a bunch of sets like from I think from the round of sixteen on, and just like he always managed to kind of come back, but he just looked he looked dead. So yeah, I think it's a good question of whether like I think after the um, after the tournament, he said he was uh, even after losing, he said he was relieved. So <laughs> no, that's never was, a good yeah, sign. That's never a good sign. So I don't know, poor poor dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we're gonna kick off our main show today with some nfl in fact all of this part of the show uh is gonna be nfl um and week one happened this past weekend some dramatic things happened tom brady proved he's still tom brady cowboys proved they're still the cowboys in their opening night matchup what at, they it's, a lost. Di- it's a different cowboys team this year they Come lost <laughs> it's the same it's the same it was 31 29 um great game Two of my personal NFL predictions from last week are looking uh, like I'm a psychic as the Saints beat the Packers 38-3 to uh, with Jameis Winston uh, becoming the first person in history, yes, in history, to throw for five touchdowns on 150 or fewer passing yards. Oh my goodness. Pretty impressive from Jameis. And the Bills, they look like a shadow of their 2012 selves as they lost 23-16 to the division rival Steelers. But, so did really? you predict that it was that the Bills would not look good? Oh, is that what the other no, prediction was? Oh. No, I predicted that the Packers would be bad and that Jameis would be good. Oh, okay. the Packers were bad <laughs> and Jameis was good in that one game. Okay, gotcha. Um, uh, but to kick things off this week, we're going to ignore all of those storylines, <laughs> and we're each going to give our takeaway um, from our favorite teams and how they performed in their opening week. We'll kick things off. We're heading up north for you, Bart. What are your takeaways from the Vikings this past week? Well, you know how the saying goes, death, taxes, the Vikings <laughs> underwhelming you. It's nothing new. The Bengals are not expected to be a super good team this year, and the Vikings still, not even did they lose, but like the, it was so much closer than it should have been. Um, defensively, underwhelming. Joe Burrow looks pretty good, 20-27, 260-some yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Joe Mixon had like 120-some rushing yards, led the NFL in rushing yards by running back this week. So just like not the type of defensive performance you expect from Mike Zimmer. But ultimately, the story of the game for the Vikes was the penalties. They were tied, I think, for second in penalties this week. They had 12, like six, six drives, I think, or so were killed by penalties effectively. Um, so it was just like a really sloppy performance overall. Uh, like they weren't even bad offensively, you know, Kirk, Kirk looked fine. Dalvin didn't look great, but he was still fine. The fumble at the end wasn't actually a fumble, and I stand by this. Um, so I think they still should have won on that drive, but the point remains that it shouldn't have even been close. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of work that Zimmer and the rest of the coaching staff need to do this week to clean that stuff up. Unfortunately, their next three games are all against teams that they'll probably lose to, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and the Browns. So we could very much be looking at an 0-4 start, which doesn't bode well, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I just, yeah, I mean, this, this week was like, it was not what you wanted to see given the whole offseason that they had to prepare. Um, I hope that the defense can improve, especially because a lot of the offseason talk this week was that they signed a lot of good defensive depth. So we'll see how that goes, but not encouraging. <laughs> How hot do you think the seat for Mike Zimmer is? Scorching. Uh, well, I've I've read and I agree that if they lose all three of those next games, which are very losable, he's gone. Like midseason, I I could see that. Um, if they even win one of those, though, I don't think he'll be gone. I think I mean like some of it's coaching, but some of it's also just on the players. Like the penalties. I mean, what's he supposed to do about his line getting called for holdings like over and over again? I don't think that's so much his fault. But I do think his seat is warming up. 
Absolutely. Mm. I'm going to yeah. piggyback off of what, what uh, Bart said, and I'm going to actually push back a little bit. Mm-hmm. You said it might be an 0-4 start. I'm thinking it's an 0-5 start because I see that the Lions are that fifth game of the season and this is the Lions' <laughs> division to win. Right now, it looks like this is the Lions' division. I can't think of a single team. The Packers look bad. The Vikings look bad. The Bears it's, are always obviously underwhelming. Yeah. And the Lions put mm-hmm. up 33 Bears points against... Yeah, they like their. Right. I don't know that usually when you say it's Blank's team, you are talking about the team that's in first in the division, which well, is the Vikings the, right now. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> not a Everybody, single team, yeah. not a single team won in that division. That's the and point. The, and the Lions looked encouraging. I think that they put they they got the right culture in place right now, and I'm willing to bet that they go 0 and 5, or at least that the Vikings uh, lose to the Lions this year. Hey, why? Tell me yeah. something. How many points did the Lions put up this past week? 33. Hell yeah, they did. Hell yeah. Heck yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. Were y'all watching that game? It was wild. I like, did it was, that game. It was 38 to 10 or something with like, I don't know, like 13 minutes left and they just stormed. That's God. because that's because it, Dan it was, Campbell's Lions don't quit. Right? They, they, got they started biting off kneecaps. Right, you we'll bite one exactly, kneecap and you And you go for what was they get the cappuccinos. It just takes a while for them yeah, to kick in. Exactly. Like, I'll take a couple of them before the game. Yeah, so. Exactly. Uh-huh. So this was a learning week for yeah. them. No, Bart, I was going to say as well that um, the Vikings defense gave up a lot of explosive plays, and they're facing a lot of explosive offenses coming up. Like I was thinking the touchdown to Jamar Chase. The Bengals team, you know, I think they look pretty fired up, and I, I'm interested. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team per se, but I'm interested to see what they do this year. Um I think that there's some good news that, like, Dalvin Cook, Adam Zeeland, and then Jefferson, like, they're three guys. I felt like definitely showed they all shined. Maybe they, maybe not in the stat line, but they had some pretty magnificent plays, I think, each one of them uh, in their own right from the highlights I watched. I didn't, I didn't see it live, obviously, but from what I saw. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree that the offense was more of a, a positive than yeah. the defense in this case. But the offensive line remains a bit troublesome, which is literally like the story of my Vikings life, I feel like. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that yeah. goes. Uh, Christian Darius, I think that's his name. Yeah. Our draft pick in, in the second round is hurt right now. So he would be helping, and he's not. Yeah. They need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he got sacked like three times in the first half. It was bad. Kirk. Oh, Kirk, poor Kirk. Kirk can't take that kind of close contact, you know. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 is a he can't afford to get <laughs> He's a duck in the pocket. But uh, speaking of quarterbacks who aren't ducks in the pockets, <laughs> let's hear your thoughts, Jared, on, on Russ and the Seahawks. Okay, the story the story is going to be if, if the offense and Russell Wilson can keep this pace up. Obviously, you know, last season, every talk show host and their mother was like, Russell Wilson's never received an MVP vote when he had 14 touchdowns through their first three games. But then they really started to lose some steam around Buffalo, and his MVP campaign kind of stopped. He had a game against the Rams in Week 10 where he had no touchdowns and two picks. So that's what they're trying to avoid this year, right? But I think the play calling was pretty encouraging. Obviously, they have a new offensive coordinator this year. They was It was really balanced, 27 runs to 26 dropbacks. And four t- the, the offense, I would say, to characterize the game was – explosive and efficient like four touchdowns on 23 attempts for Russell is great where that you can use him if you need it but they they did a lot with the run game and they just have so many weapons I just think they have so many offensive weapons on this team it really 
it, there's no reason why it couldn't be a top five offense this year with Lockett, Metcalf, Gerald Everett that at tight end was looking really good as well, uh, and then Chris Carson, of course. Uh, you know, Russell still got sacked a couple times, which hopefully you'll have a couple clean sheets throughout the season. I think he was sacked three times. Um, ideally, you want to have some clean sheets with him because uh, him. It was this was a meeting of like the two most sacked quarterbacks since uh, since they entered the league or whatever. So I thought that was funny, but. Um, yeah, hopefully they can protect him. And it's just keeping an eye on how this is going to transition throughout the year because we've seen this before, this this hot start. And that's my only worry on that. It's hot, but it's boring. And I think that we're just in for another year of boring Seahawks football. I got to be Which honest, when, when, you look, when you look at it and you say it's a balanced attack between half running and half passing, I think that that's – kind of a weird thing to look at considering of the hubbub that Russell Wilson put up this offseason. It's not like they were running the ball that dramatically more, and I actually thought that they would be passing the ball more. So now that I I watch them play and I think about it, I'm thinking to myself, what was all the commotion about? What was he mad about? Because I don't even feel like he really got what he wanted. In key moments, they ran the ball, and I know that it's just good play calling or whatnot, and maybe he just didn't like the play caller, but... I don't exactly know what Russell Wilson got out of this out of watching the first game versus what he was asking for over this offseason. Okay, sure. Well, they, inv- they they involved him in the offensive coordinator search, so I think he got some of that input. Yeah, it's just... I think he's got to be happy with that at least, you know? I, if they're winning, then what's the pro? I don't know what the problem is really. Well, they've been winning. They haven't had a sub-500 season since he's been drafted, right? Right. So what was your problem in the first place? It's it's about it's about sustaining the success throughout the season, mm-hmm. the part I brought yeah. up at the at the start, right? I mean, Can, keeping that pace up throughout the season is going to be the test. And then what what's going to happen when they face the Rams the second time, and then the, I mean the Rams are going to be the, their toughest test probably in the division. Forty like, ers maybe, who knows what that defense is with the Lions putting up points, but. Yeah. My just thing with Russell Wilson right now is that he doesn't uh, go all hero ball on us and try to do some things or make some bad decision making just for the sake of looking spectacular. Because I think that when, although that he got sacked three times, when you look at it, I know definitely at least one of them was his fault because he's just sticking around in the pocket for too long. Mm. Or he's just trying to look too far downfield without running it. He's a guy who can run, and it's just about whether or not he wants to be a hero and make the big throw, or if he just wants to play an efficient po- football, you know? So it's just... The, the Seahawks, they look like the same Seahawks to me, to be honest, and I'm just not exactly – I've never been excited about them. Still not. I don't know. The, the defense was a lot more encouraging than our start last year. So I, we'll, we'll see, like, you know, I don't know what Carson Wentz and that Colts offense is going to be this year, but uh, I'm definitely excited to see how they look throughout the rest of the season on the defensive side. Anyway, let's – if nobody else has any thoughts on that, let's let's go back over to New York – uh, obviously, oh. Zach Wilson had his, his debut back over there. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let, let's go back over to New York. Uh, Zach Wilson made his de- debut for the Jets, uh, but Sam Darnold got his revenge. What, what were kind of your takeaways here, Aiden? Uh, that's just hard. This podcast tries to shut me up because what I say is too controversial. <laughs> I, I, I get it, um, but you know, I, I will not. I will speak. Uh, <laughs> it's brave of you as a Jets fan yeah. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. <laughs> I'm actually not super pessimistic about the Jets' opening loss. I mean, the, the Jets are the youngest team in the NFL. They have work to do. That was clear before the game. That's clear after the game. 
Um, no group needs more work than their offensive line, which was horrendous. Um, a continuation for sure of the Sam Darnold era. Um, but they allowed six sacks. The Jets rushed for 2.6 yards a carry. Um, though they don't have a particularly talented running back group. So take that as you will. Um, defense was fine. You know, a struggle to contain Christian McCaffrey, but who doesn't at this point? Um, they had a pretty good second half. Um, obviously, the, the main storyline, though, is our boy, Zach Wilson, our BYU boy. It was a tale of two halves. You know, first half, he looked, coming out the gates, he looked kind of frazzled. He started out one for six. Uh, he finished six for 16 in the first half with an interception. But he really bounced back. Second half, he was 14 for 21 for 174 yards, two touchdowns. And that was like the, the pressure was a constant throughout both halves. I mean, he was sacked three times in each. Um, so I, I remain pretty excited about him. Uh, though, like in the same vein of Trevor Lawrence, I remain worried that he's going to get injured uh, because the, the Jets' offensive line, as I mentioned, isn't good. Um, and Mekhi Becton, their left tackle, is going to be out for, I think, the next six weeks <clears throat> after um, injuring himself in the second half of the opener. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But from a, from a Zach Wilson perspective, which is the only thing that really matters this season as far as, or the, the main thing that matters uh, <laughs> to Jets fans this season, it, it looked okay. Um, on, the, on the other side, I'm going to comment on the Panthers real quick. <laughs> uh, we, so we saw <laughs> Sam Darnold, That's all the ESPN headlines were <clears throat> about Sam Darnold. <clears throat> About Sam Darnold having emotionally, (laughs) (laughs) his boy has gone into the world and succeeded. I know, I know. I'm gonna, I'm I'm getting emotional. Um, (laughs) Sammy D, you know, really, really came out and impressed here. Um, But he also had a game of two halves, and he looked great in the first half. You know, 17 for 22, passing touchdown um, and whatnot. But the second half, the Panthers' offense was pretty anemic. So it'll be interesting to follow them and to see whether. This is a turnaround season for um, for Sam Darnold, or um, or if it's you know, I, I don't see how it could be worse given that his offensive line seems to at least vaguely protect him. Um, plus, he's showing chemistry with uh, Christian McCaffrey already. But that is going to be an interesting storyline to see if this you know if Sam actually develops, um, or if it's just like a incremental improvement. Yeah, I was I, I I had fun watching Zach Wilson's the tape on Zach Wilson. His the thing that I, I think was most if I was a Jets fan be most encouraging is that the athleticism definitely translates to the next level. He was making some really good moves, like his first touchdown especially, escaping the pocket and then finding you know, eventually if you're running around long enough, somebody's being wide open and that's that's what happened there. And I also think Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, right. And I also think in the um I know in the first half he he didn't start out well, but he made some good throws that if receivers like made a play on it, it would have looked a little different on the stat line. So um, definitely second and third quarter was was, was not good. He he definitely uh, didn't look good then, but he was running for his life. And um, yeah, well, hope like you said, hopefully they get the offensive line figured out there and don't let him get sacked six times in a game. But yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I, I just I totally agree. I think that he just looked confident as a thrower downfield a lot of the times, especially I know that he started off slow, but you know, I thought that he just didn't it didn't seem like he that that much of a problem trying to fit things in windows, making throws, throwing downfield. He took a lot of shots and I and I, I commend him yeah. for that. So you know, if I were a Jets fan, which I, I'm definitely not, um <laughs> okay, I would nice at least, why I would we'll at least, accept you. You can convert. 
Okay. They play in the same yeah, stadium. Yeah, yeah. That'd be easy <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, at the very least, I would feel confident that my quarterback is very confident in his own abilities. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on back to Lucas. Eagles had a big week, biggest week in the NFC East, which isn't saying much, but <laughs> is something. Uh, what did you think of their performance? Well, as I've always said, uh, vibes don't lie. They said the vibes were good in camp, and the vibes were good good in the game. I don't want to get too carried away because the Falcons are not a good football team, but the Eagles look great. Uh, Jalen Hurts seems to be the real deal. It was only the third time in history um, where a quarterback has had 75% completion percentage, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 250 passing yards, and 60 rushing yards. One of the other times... That's a however, heavily qualified stat. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it, it is rare enough that I felt the need to note on it. Because Kyler Murray is the second of the other three times this happened in NFL history. Um, so it was interesting. He was great. Oh, like Kyler was, Murray this week? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, he looked great. Um, I think the offense utilized him well. Um like they ran design runs for him. I think the offense is designed to be a little bit more exciting now, which is good. Uh, the wide receiver core is great. Devontae mm-hmm. Smith, first NFL pass, t- caught a touchdown in the exact same spot. He caught uh, the national championship putting touchdown in his freshman year. It's kind of a cool full circle moment. Jalen Rager played really great. He did. Um, yeah. And seemed, yeah, and I think the Eagles really seem to have plugged a hole there because for years and years, like, and the gap between them winning the Super Bowl and I think this year, the wide receivers were basically their biggest weakness. They seem to have plugged that hole. I mean, things could change in a week. The Falcons don't exactly like an excellent secondary, but I was impressed with the wide receiver corner <laughs> this weekend as well. Uh, Nick Sirianni looks like a good hire. I was really dubious. And again, it's been one week. I don't want to overcommit. But he seemed like the weird, high-energy, hot-dog-eating contest type guy who is not yeah. going to be good at anything else. Um, but the way he ran the offense on Sunday was really impressive. I think they have lots of great speedy playmakers who are athletic, and he just kind of let them get the ball in space. You saw that especially in Rager's touchdown. Like I said before, he let Hurts run the ball a little bit. And in Doug Peterson's last couple of years, the play calling was just dull and predictable and boring, and it wasn't that this weekend, which is good. Uh, the defense is solid. Falcons only scored six points. Hargrave had two sacks. And Aiden alluded to this earlier. The Eagles are in sole possession of the NFC, first place in the NFC East. Washington football team, Giants, and unsurprisingly, the Cowboys all lost. Oh my gosh, how many shots at the Cowboys? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think, honestly, not to get too bold, but I think the division is almost certainly between the Cowboys and the Eagles at this point. Sorry, Wyatt. Wow, Um, weekend, huh? I know, but I've seen what I've seen. Washington is in a tough position, too, with Fitz getting hurt and everything. But, um, yeah, I I was encouraged. I'm not going to make any bold claims, but things certainly went better than I expected them to go. Talking about O-line play, like we've been talking about, uh, Jalen Hurts looked really good. He navigated the pocket really well. He he got yeah. sacked once, but it basically uh, was like a coverage sack, like some a, a DB or, excuse me, a D lineman came from behind and, like, sacked him while he was scrambling. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was pretty encouraging, and that's I was interesting to hear you say that you liked the Sirianni hire because I was gonna ask what people thought of that hire because he kind of is like a Dan Campbell, like the less famous Dan Campbell type of figure, 
So I, I bet I feel like why, why you might have thoughts on this, but in the preseason, people were like, oh, we don't really know about him, but it was a good. It was like the best, one of the best debuts you could hope for. No, I I totally agree, and I was definitely not very high on him. He seemed a little bit wacky, and when Mike McCarthy did that smashing watermelon thing, I thought that that was a little wacky to hear the hot dog eating contest and some of the competitiveness things. I was like in the draft when he was doing rock paper scissors just to see if they're competitive. I don't necessarily blame that, but once they're on the team, it feels like there are weird tactics tactics that coaches put out that are like, oh, eat a hot dog and do this, and and it just makes them look weird but i'll tell you what when i watched the eagles i thought they did a really good job of letting their playmakers work in space and that they 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 put people in a really good position um you know Devonte smith is a great route runner but they use him in space they use rager well in space they the design runs for jalen hurts were were great and i thought that this is the best that miles sanders has looked in the last two years so it, it's about as good as it gets as far as debut goes and that the play calling goes as well as it has been as and then I know that the Falcons are not a very good team. The ghost of Dan Campbell still haunts that defense, but uh, as long Dan as Quinn. they can Dan Quinn, excuse me, uh haunts that defense. As long as <laughs> they can attack other teams defenses the way that they attacked this one and I know it's going to be harder. I would I would give the Eagles a good shot to win the division. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Um and to finish off this segment, looking at our favorite teams, we're going to stay in that division. Wyatt, your New York Giants uh, dropped their opener 27-13 to the Broncos. What are your takeaways? Well, I gave the Eagles a chance, and it's a small chance because the blue man group over there in, uh, in New York <laughs> is, is ready to come. But Oh, my gosh. We did not look good. We looked pretty okay. bad. Uh, our offense is still struggling to score. I know Denver has a great defense, so that's something that we can, uh, you know, b- get past but i don't think that we did as good of a job as the eagles did using our new additions we have kenny galladay we have Kadarius tony obviously saquon's coming back and i just don't feel like we used them as well as we could have uh the eagles gave jalen rager a lot of quick passes and a lot of screens and they used his joystick ability his speed uh really well but i don't think that the the giants did the same thing with their new guy Kadarius tony he's a joystick and they have to use him like that and i just don't feel like uh, he got the looks that he needed to. It's obvious that Saquon is not exactly ready to go and full healthy. He just didn't really get the looks and production that we would have wanted. And our feature defense really looked like, uh, let Teddy Bridgewater look like he's a Pro Bowl quarterback again because he was kind of just running all over the field. Um, we did hold Cortland Sutton to uh, a very low stat line this week, but... You know, we still lost the game, and I just don't feel like that we did as well as we possibly could. But the good news is, is it's only up from here. I thought our pass protection looked pretty decent against a pretty uh, good defensive line, and there weren't any like really big uh, doofus moves by the offense. There weren't any bad interceptions. I know Daniel Jones had a fumble in that game, but yeah. um, mm-hmm. it's it's just something you got to have. And I thought that we looked. A little bit better as far as some of the decision making goes. It wasn't exactly as uh, you know dumb as it has been in, in years past. So it's only up from here. We just got to be efficient. And once Saquon gets back, I believe I'm a believer. Well, what do you mean once Saquon gets back? Because he, he was back and he looked he he was running pretty well. He just had no he just had nowhere to go. So I don't think it's on Saquon. I think it's on the O line, which I don't think is going to get better. 
One, I mean, the season. there's there's got to be something there. I just don't. He's got to get those looks, and we got to give him some screen pass stuff. It's just uh, he didn't. I'm pretty sure he got pulled at some point during the game. But yeah, I just we just got to take some of the pressure off of him for sure, and let some of these guys like Kadarius Tony, especially. I, I was very excited about him coming into our team, and I just we got to use kind of both of them in a tandem a little bit. Kadarius Tony can get some looks in the backfield, but. I don't know if Saquon is ready right now coming off of an ACL injury to be like a power back between the tackles. I think you just got to let him go in space. And I just, Mm. I don't know if we do that enough. Yeah. But. Well, I was going to use this to transition into our Thursday night matchup against the Washington football team. They're my favorite team. and I'm looking for them to bounce back. The Washington football team kind of uh, fell barely to the chargers and Mm -hmm. the easiest way that I can say we do this is we go, we run away from chase young. (laughs) We slide our protection. So that way double team and we don't like give him easy looks. Um, We should take some risks this week. I know that it's a division matchup, but we can't get any farther down in the division. I don't think we have to take some (laughs) risk, give Kenny Galladay some pretty big open one-on-one matchups throw the ball up. That's what he's good at. He's good at going and catching a, a jump ball or, or fighting a guy for it, you know? So we should take risks with that. And then, like I said, we just got to put some guys in space the same way that the Eagles did just this last week. Give Saquon the ball in space. Give him a screen pass. Put him out into the slot. Let him come out of some, from outside of the uh, uh, the backfield. Give K- Kadarius Tony some room in space. Get some screen pace for him. And let our guys... Like Sterling Shepard, Tony, and Saquon just make guys miss because we know that that's what they're good at. And then going from there, we just have to think Denver's Bronco uh, offense and just be as efficient as possible. At the end of the day, I think this is going to be a close game. Um, and both teams kind of lack that high power offense, but it's a good week for us to get our defense back on track just because of that reason. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Well, Daniel Jones actually did show some pretty good flashes. Like, started off with a bang on their their first drive and hit a nice deep shot, uh, and then the touchdown pass to to Shepard was pretty nice as well. But he's he's almost guaranteed to have a fumble in this next game. Let's be honest. Like, he's he's gonna fumble against Washington football team, and I don't. It's good to get them in space, right? Like, they only had 60 rushing yards this last game. They need to get them in space. But then what what's gonna happen when they get in the red zone is what I would be worried about on the Giants side. Because Washington had really good, played really good red zone defense, forced a lot of field goals out of the Chargers this last week. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like they they were a bend don't break defense that week. Like the Chargers put up yeah. over 400 yards of offense, but out of that came 16 points. Right, so that's what I would be worried about is what's going to happen when you get in the red zone and you have to try to run between the tackles or get or get like tricky on play action or something mm-hmm. is where I'd be worried for the Giants. I'm going to respond. I, I, you get guys like Kenny Galladay and Kyle Rudolph for those reasons. They're great red zone targets. Kyle Rudolph is almost a sure catch. I know he had a drop. Uh, but <laughs> he is a, he is a big body, sure catch wide receiver you can use in the red zone. And same with Kenny Galladay. He's a big body, almost sure catch jump ball guy that you can use in the red zone as well. So I don't think that that is necessarily a problem. Uh, I know We are not the Kansas City Chiefs, but I think of the Kansas City Chiefs when they use the red zone because they're a great red zone passing team and they can find ways to get the ball to their guys, whether it's a shovel pass to Travis Kelsey or they just do something tricky with Tyreek Hill. There are ways to do it outside of just running between the tackles. 
Yeah. Well, looking on the other side of things, what do we think about the Washington football team? They lost Fitz for the foreseeable future. Do we have high expectations for Heineke coming in, or how do you think they're going to look this week? Yeah, I want to go in on this, actually. I think I think we need to be honest about the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a good quarterback and that this isn't that... I don't think it's going to be that big of a step back for them, to be honest. I like, it. I know Taylor Heineke I'm is like a big unknown, and, like, uh, he's 0-2 as a starter, but I think they showed a lot of... Sp- they showed way more spark, obviously. Obviously, there's only, like, a half. Way more spark with Heineke, though. They they got their only mm-hmm. touch of the, touchdown of the game with him in it. He was really efficient, too. I, like, he was, like, 11 for 15, I think. 15, yeah. Yeah. And... Good. You know, they took the lead while he was in the game. And I think he had a pretty solid game like against a good Bucks defense last year as well. Mm-hmm. I, and he, they don't need to do much, right? Because the defense going to carry them. He doesn't need to do that much. Where Fitzpatrick is like going to throw interceptions and, you know, he's going to sling it down there. But I think Heineke is honestly more explosive and just more, more efficient at the same time. I, I, I'm i not, like, too worried. I, I saw a lot of articles in the Washington football team sphere that were like, let's be honest about this season, and, like, we lost Fitzpatrick, and I know they spent the money to, that they wanted Fitzpatrick to be the starter, but I want to I want to see Taylor Heineke for a couple weeks. I think he's going to get a couple weeks, <laughs> I believe, with, Fitzpa- with Fitzpatrick on the IR. So I'm not as worried as people seem. other people seem to be. I don't know. I agree. I don't know. I well, would be. I just think that there's a there's a cap to what the Chargers, or excuse me, the Washington football team's offense could be at Taylor mm-hmm. Heineke at his best versus what Ryan Fitzpatrick is at his best. Obviously, when you sign a guy, you don't bank on him being at his worst at any point during the season. Mm-hmm. So they they built this team around the idea that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be not only at his best, but the starting quarterback for this team. So... Mm-hmm. It, it does kind of like Terry McLaurin was not getting many looks this last week. And unless they want to force feed him the ball, it might be just a similar week where they don't have the guys to necessarily put up big, big scoring uh, numbers. Antonio Gibson is a good running back. Terry McLaurin is a great wide receiver. Curtis Samuel, who they added is also out. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who they added is now out. So now that the guys that they envisioned what this offense would look like, they kind of have to start from the ground up. That's just what I think. I'd agree with Jared, though, that the offense they envisioned was never going to be their strength. Like, like Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah, I mean, he's, he's replacement level at best. Um, so, yeah, Taylor Heineke is a bit more of an unknown. He had the, a couple games last year, but I don't know. kind of curious. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe he's a spark or something. Because, um, yeah. like, I, didn't, I don't think a Ryan Fitzpatrick, well, as good as their defense is, I don't, I don't even know if in the NFC East they can win it with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean he's only I don't remember exactly what the stat was, but I think I mentioned it last week. He's you know, he's only had like three winning seasons as a starter out of like the sixteen seasons that he's been in the league or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know I don't know. Yeah, and in his defense, he hasn't really gotten like worse. You know, <laughs> like in his yeah. career, yeah. like he's just been the same. So same like, we're, like, the entire, better. Yeah. I mean, he was he was pretty serviceable last year, obviously, um, to to his detriment, but. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see Taylor Heineke. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see what he does. And we're going to finish off our NFL talk today by going around and just picking the result of this game. So, Wyatt, tell me, final score, who wins? Giants win. 
20 to 14. Okay. All right, Bart, what do you think? Uh, Washington football team wins. Uh, I just don't see them. They'll score even less than the Chargers did. I think 23 to 13 for the Washington football team. Mm. All right, Aiden, give me your take. Yeah, 21 to 10, pretty similar. Agreed. I don't see them scoring more than the Chargers. Um, No, Washington football team, sorry. (laughs) I thought those applied, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jared? I'm also going Washington football team. I think they'll have a a solid defense is probably better than the Broncos D, and they showed more spark with Heineke. I'm going to say 17-10, Washington football team. Very close. I I similarly think it'll be a defensive struggle, and I picked the Washington football team Mm. 17-9. Oh, okay. Very close, yeah. Um, before we wrap up the episode, though, I want to do a quick fantasy football update for all of our loyal followers out there. Yeah. Those of you who don't know, uh, we do have an official Youth Thought Sports fantasy. <laughs> uh-huh. fantasy Football League. Uh, Wyatt lost my dad this past weekend. Um, <laughs> of you. I know. Um, he's, he's in eighth place. Um, so that was the first matchup. My dad beat Wyatt 117-206. Uh, friend of the pod, Brian Quigley, uh, beat Jared, continuing his incredible run of form in fantasy football, 130 to 121. Also, let it be known for the listeners, though, that I did win the league last year. Just let it be known. (laughs) (laughs) The regular season is all I care about. (laughs) Um, Aiden Lewis is in first place, a king. Are we surprised? Yeah. (laughs) 133 points, beating friend of the pod, Vinny. Uh, Bart sadly fell to friend of the pod Alejandro, uh, 132 to 121. Uh, Bart scored a lot of points though for in a losing effort, so we, we applaud that. Um, High score. I maintain that. the proper way to do fantasy football leagues is league wide scoring. Like you go, you go something between 0 and 9 and 9 and 0. But I digress. <laughs> That's fair. Do you think enough. sports should work that way, Bart? In general, <laughs> well, in no, because the point is that you play defense in real life. You can't play defense in fantasy. No, not the way you play it. Yeah, <laughs> got him. <laughs> and I had the lowest points in a winning effort, but I did still win. Unlike Bart, oh uh, I had a hundred. Case 100. in point. <laughs> Case in point. Yeah, Bart had twelve more points than I did, which on like the range of like possible things. Um, good thing I played the lowest score, friend of the pod, Montana, who uh, only had ninety points this past week. So it's tough for him. Yeah. The Commission. disparity between Montana's confidence post draft and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Commission suspect when he when when he wins week one on the lowest score. Anyway, yeah. Well. If you <laughs> if you like this episode, please uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave a five star re- review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on our Instagram, Twitter, uh, Vine. Just kidding, not Vine. TikTok at You Thought Sports. That's You Thought Sports singular, no S at the end. And stay tuned for our other episode of this week where we discuss college football storylines.